Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Um, what we've been doing basically from um, that uh, video was made back in uh, the early part of last year and showed it in September. What we've been doing is highlighting all of that and working very strategically in the thing. So, for instance, the Portadown building has been opened since that, um, and you'll get to see that yet again on Wednesday night. NUA, our second um, festival, took place um, to bar conference here in Lurgan. <clears throat> was a great success at the end of September. Five new staff members in Lurgan, David and Cheryl. Cheryl was on the video about planting a strong local church in the south, a resource church in the south, and they're now in Bellina, um, working amongst the people there. We've been working hard at giving our missional communities more focus, Shalom and uh, Rua and Mournview and Cara, and you can see how in some of those Alpha has now taken place. Um, relaunching the prayer room again after COVID, if you, any of you remember that thing. Um, uh, and so trying to ever more <clears throat> establish a strong prayerful culture. So <clears throat> let me grab the little remote here. So we've been working hard, uh, and rather than do another um, big outlandish vision, we thought <clears throat> we need to keep going on what we've um, planned to do over the next number of years, and we're excited about, about that, the years roll on. And by the way, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. <clears throat> Hope that 24 holds much blessing for you. Now, um, over the last season, we took a bit of time over the last season. We'll go back to that slide in a moment. But over the last season, our theme was presence, camping at the source where we um, invested a good bit of time looking at the spiritual disciplines um, i.e. the like of margins and Bible study and prayer and simplicity and um, silence and on and on we could go. And it was really important. Our focus was through that series that we would help you cultivate uh, uh, an idea of how you would carry the manifest presence of God in your everyday life. In this new series, which I'm loving that graphic, I have to say, um, in this new series, uh, we want to focus on our sort of individual and unique ways in which we can demonstrate that presence of God, how we can outwork that in our everyday lives through the empowerment of our spiritual gifts. All of us have been gifted for something. And so what we could say that in the previous series, we were looking at the idea that we were born to be someone, that we are born to be sons and daughters of um, the, the of the Lord, and so we were born to be someone. In this series, what we're going to do is look at how we were born to do something, all right? We were born to do something, participating with Jesus in the world, and the idea that we all have this idea of a unique gift mix, all right? And we're going to help you through this series find that. The key verse or verses for this, I quoted them last week, and these will be our key verses, all right? For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. And then oftentimes we forget about verse 10, 
um, which reminds us that we are God's handiwork. Some of the versions that you have will call it masterpiece. You're God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus, here it is, to do good works, which God has actually prepared beforehand. So God has already thought up. He's already gifted and and placed in you those giftings and abilities that maybe you have yet defined. And we talked a little bit about that last week in Philippians as well, that we need to start to take hold of that which God has taken hold of us for. And that's what I believe this verse is about, discovering your unique contribution to the body of Christ. What is your unique contribution? Because if it's a body and one part's not functioning, then all the body suffers. And we'll talk about that in a moment or two as well. All right, so you are unique. You are a beautiful masterpiece, unlike any of the other now 8 billion people living on planet Earth. I say this often, um, if you go back to the turn of the century, last century, there was about a billion people alive on planet Earth. The year I was born, 1958, um, there was like 2.4 billion people on planet Earth. Here we are 65 years later than that. There's now 8 billion people, just over 8 billion people alive on planet Earth. It is growing vastly. And there's never been, nor will there ever be, um, another you. Some of you are sitting there beside someone saying, thank goodness. All right? And you could pinch somebody, if you know them, that is, right now and say, you are unique. Um, uh, the Bible calls it a peculiar people. The King James Version got it right, I think. And some are more peculiar than others, that's for sure. Um, now, before I start into spiritual gifts, can I do a little diverse thing and talk about something um, that I feel is really important at the beginning of the year, and then we'll jump back into the gifts again, all right? I want to say this, that success in the Christian life is not measured by church attendance, and um, that's a big thing for me to say. It's not um, measured by being a good person or by good works, all of which are very good, by the way. Actually, you could be very morally sound. You could have a great marriage. Your kids could be great. Um, you might even be lifting your hands at all the right places and all the right songs in worship and still feel empty inside. Success in the Christian life is measured by one thing and one thing alone, and that is devotion to Christ over a lifetime. You don't measure success in the Christian life in hours and weeks and months. You measure it in years and decades, um, giving devotion to to Christ. And so I want to say this at the beginning of this first Sunday in um, 2024, I want to say one big thing, all right? And the big thing is this, that you seek Jesus daily. One of the reasons we've done the app um, to one chapter a day is to allow people to get into seeking Jesus, not just reading your Bible. You can read your Bible and be as far away as ever because you can read it just out of, out of a, a duty. And I say this often, most of us do this when we go to read, we look over the page to see how long our reading is today. And um, we think we've just got to, we've got to finish it. We've got to hit the end of the chapter and then it's closed and forgot about. And so there's something, I can absolutely guarantee you this, you will never accidentally come close to Jesus. You will never accidentally come close to Jesus. You'll never just stumble into spiritual intimacy. 
and you'll never just stumble into spiritual maturity. Actually, this is what Jesus said. These are the words of Jesus. He said to them, he said, if anyone desires to come after me, let them deny themselves. It might be a good idea to ask yourself at the beginning of 2024, what needs denied this year? What is it that's not doing me any favors? What is it that stands between me and really true relationship with God? What is it that I need to deny in my flesh that I may take up my cross? See the next word? Daily. Jesus said this. Take your cross up daily and follow me. Apostle Paul said it as well in 1 Corinthians 15, 31. He says, I die daily. I deal with stuff daily. And we have all things that we do daily. We get up daily. We um, drink coffee daily. We wash, I hope, daily. Uh, but the top of that list should be seeking Jesus. I try to do this. I try to feel each morning that um, my knees hit the floor before my feet hit the floor. Because when my feet hit the floor, they start to run. And my mind starts to go. And so how, how, how is it this year that you could, sorry on this little meander, but I just think it's really important. How is it this year that you could posture yourself to be used by God? How could you posture yourself to be used more of him? How could you put yourself in a situation where each morning you'd be saying, God, what is it you want to use me for today? What is it you want to say through me today? What is it you want to guide me into today? Because it's so easy to exchange professional Christianity for personal intimacy. And I say it again because that's really important, all right? It's so easy to exchange professional Christianity for personal intimacy. And I've been guilty of that, where we can become the professional Christian, do all the right things, say all the right things, pray at all the right times and get the amens usually in the right place and not have that personal intimacy with God. And I found this in my life over the years. I found that many times that I was just studying the Bible to preach, that I wasn't actually feeding my own soul personally. And I found that many times when I went to pray in a public gathering at a prayer meeting, I realized that's the first time I've actually really prayed in three or four days. And I'm just praying because I have to now, because I'm, I'm a leader and that's what leaders do. And it's so easy to fall into that. I've been there a few times and I hate that place. And, um, and so as we run into 24, can I challenge you, if you've left your first love, to return. If you've left your first love, return. Ephesus left its first love. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us this, but history shows us it was the biggest and best church of them all. And um, it failed. Never returned. They never got it right. Um, if you have Josephus, you can study that and see. It's so easy to fall into this. And as I say, what happens then is we just fake a relationship with God and we, we fake it rather than it being real. So if that's you this morning, and, and there's no embarrassment in this at all, but if that's you this morning, our prayer teams are going to be here. And can I say, please don't go home and, and try and figure this out. Let us pray for you. Let our guys prayer for you this morning. Come tonight. Seek first tonight. Let's come and come and bear our hearts and get into the presence of God. I'm not leading tonight, and I'm glad I'm not leading tonight, because I want to come to this house tonight as not, not as someone just to 
um, um, give out, but someone to come and receive of what God is giving. I'm here and I'm ready to jump in at any time, but I'm coming to receive tonight. Um, so um, this is really important. All right, there we go. Um, right, let's get back to the series, okay? That's my little meander done. Yeah. Uh, uh, we, we must remember that Jesus is the express image of God. Jesus is our perfect theology. Jesus is our model. Um, he's our prototype. He's the one we should look to. He's our measuring rod. He's the one we should always measure. We shouldn't be measuring up against Job Logs or against your neighbor or against someone in your work or against someone in your church. You should be measuring yourself up against God. He's the measuring rod. Remember, Jesus said, he that has seen me has seen the Father. And it's actually really interesting because he said that to a guy called Philip. And I always love that. I always feel that's a challenge to me. He said, Philip, he that has seen me um, has seen the Father. So Jesus is the prototype of those things, um, spiritual practices that we've looked at in the past and spiritual um, gifts that we're going to be looking at in this series. We've said this often in the last series that Jesus used the spiritual disciplines to hear what the Father wanted him to do. He got up early in the morning. He was often found going to be alone with the Father. I always say we're rushing to meetings all the time. Every time you find Jesus, he was trying to get away from meetings. <laughs> he was trying to get alone with the Father. He was going the opposite direction. And so he used the spiritual disciplines to hear what the Father wanted him to do. And he used the spiritual gifts to, to do what the Father was doing. He used those spiritual gifts to he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. And he's our example in this. Actually, when you turn to, I have this on the screen, but when you turn to Philippians 2, 5, it says to adopt the same attitude or have the same mind in you that was in Christ Jesus, who existed in the form of God, didn't consider equality with God as something to be exploited. I love the way CSB puts that. Um, instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity, and when he had become a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. So he didn't choose his godness to, for his own advantage, for want of a better term. He was totally, absolutely God, but he became human, totally, absolutely human. And so in his human form, he led a prototype for us, not using his godness. He laid aside that. While he still remained to be God, he stopped using that, and he became a human form. In human form, we use the term sometimes God-man. I've often said I don't often like it, but I don't know any better way to explain it. So whenever Jesus went to be baptized, he didn't need to be baptized. He had no sin to repent of. So he, but he, he was going there as a prototype. He was going there to align himself with us. He goes into the waters of baptism. What happens? The Holy Spirit comes upon him in the form of a dove, anoints him. Um, and ironically, it's right before he goes out into face-to-face -face combat with the devil. So before he took on any spiritual warfare, he had to be anointed by the Holy Spirit. And he brings this kingdom to play, not by playing out his God card, but through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit as a human being like us in order to model it out for us. So he's our model. He's our, he's our prototype. Jesus does this because he wants us to walk 
in the power of the Spirit. And so what we can say is while we display Christ in our character, which are the fruits of the Spirit, which are found in Galatians 5, the nine fruit of the Spirit, what we need to understand is that we are also called to move in His power with the gifts of the Spirit. So in the gifts of the Spirit, and there's about 23, 24 um, gifts mentioned in the New Testament that we're going to be talking about in the um, 1 Corinthians 12 passage, we have the gifts of the Spirit. You have nine of them, which is quite interesting. And in Galatians 5, you have the nine fruit of the Spirit. And I will say it's a bit like an airplane. You need them both, all right? Um, if you've just got all the, the fruit of the Spirit and not operating in the gifts, you're never going to do anything. And you've just got all the gifts and not got the fruit of the Spirit, then there's no character in which they're revealed. And they're, 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 they don't they, they come across blunt, and they come across hard, and they come across like somebody who has no right to use them. So we need both of those operating. We need to display the character of Christ and the fruit of the Spirit, all right? And that's worked out over years and decades, like I said at the start, and we're then called to move in the power by using these gifts, which we're going to talk about. And, and if, if, we, if we push forward gifts, here's a little line that's coming from John Thompson he, to call people to discipleship without the same power that Jesus operated out of is to invite people to burn out. All right, if you're actually pushing people to serve all the time and you're not teaching them how to be filled with the Spirit, you're just inviting them into burnout. You're just inviting them into a machine. And I always say, and I've said this to our staff, and I said to many people in our church, ministry is a monster. Ministry is a monster. It'll chew you up and spit you out. And if you're drove to ministry all the time, what means ministry always presents itself where there's a need. So when there's a need, that's where ministry comes in. And Jesus said one time, the poor you'll always have. There'll always be poor people. There'll always be a need. And if you're always driven by need, then you're going to be driven by, by, by this monster called ministry, and you're just going to burn out. Jesus said, I only do the things the Father tells me to do. Again, it's out of relationship with God. Relationship with God. That's 101 for, two, for 2024. Relationship with God. Relationship with God. Relationship with God is the key, all right? And so the whole topic of spiritual gifts is really interesting. That's why we're going to talk about it. Now, in, in, it's been a battleground for many years, all right? It's been abused. It's been mistreated. It's been um, taught wrong, and so we're going to work really hard, um, Rick and Dave and I, over this next season to teach this well and teach it biblically. They're running the same course in Portadown, Alan and Chris and the guys over there. So um, now when we go back to the church at Corinth, we see this is where it probably all birthed in many ways. There was a, and Corinth in many ways was a toxic church. And Paul actually tells them in 1 Corinthians eleven seventeen, he says, your meetings are doing more harm than good. <laughs> actually, you're doing more harm than good. You're damaging people. And it's fascinating, actually, even when Paul said that, he didn't shut them down. And he didn't shut their gifts down, but he wanted, them to, be, he wanted to show them a more authentic, Christ-like way to do it. They were doing this out of their own flesh. And, and so Paul gets into the writings of Corinth to try and bring this out. Now, the tension can result from an overemphasis on certain gifts, which uh, happened in Corinth, um, and it can come also because we like to pick fights. Christians are good at 
at fighting. They're good at winning arguments and losing friends. And, um, and so people who are maybe wired a little bit differently in them, they want to wrestle this out. And the Corinthian church was beset with many problems. It just wasn't around the gifts. They had many difficulties. They were a church filled with division, they had arguments, lawsuits, and immorality. And on top of that, there was a confusion about marriage. There was food sacrificed to idols. There was worship. There was the Lord's Supper. There was giving. They fought over the resurrection. They fought over spiritual gifts in particular, um, some of them thought they were better because they had some of the better gifts than other people had, on and on I could go. And when Paul wrote this letter to the church, he specifically addressed all of these issues, and one of them was around the uh, gifts. So what I want to do is I want to give you six directives this morning that in some shape or form will help us defrost um, our spiritual assets if they've got frozen a little bit because there's a bit of complacency or maybe a misunderstanding, then maybe these six points in the outset of our series to help you understand a little bit about the gifts. So here goes, all right? Number one is just really simple, be informed about spiritual gifts. Paul says this right away, and these are coming out of 1 Corinthians 12. So in verse 1, he says, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant, all right? Don't just push them aside. Just don't, because there's been confusion over them, because there's been some misunderstanding over them, don't just put them aside. Don't push them aside and not use them. He said, that's not, you need to know what you need to know. I often say when it comes to spiritual warfare, ignorance is not bliss. And I think the same can, is around spiritual giftings. The second one is just be influenced by the Holy Spirit only. In verses 2 and 3, he says, You know that you were Gentiles, carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, make it known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit uh, God of God calls Jesus a curse, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So he's saying... Anything you go to do, make sure that you're not led by anything else, that you're led and guided by the Holy Spirit. Don't be, that's back why I'm saying again about ministry. Don't just be pushed because there's a need. Understand that working towards needs good, but it has to come under the influence of knowing what way God has directed you to go. Thirdly, understand diversity, incorporate diversity into your understanding. There's different kinds of gifts, and, but the same Spirit. There's different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them and all men. So the key word in this passage is different. We're all different. You're probably sitting beside somebody saying, thank goodness. We're all different. We've all got different gifts. We're different ways to serve. There's different workings. And, and um, uh, I did this in Ignite for um, several years, um, if you could think of out in our nice foyer, if somebody dropped a plate of dessert, like a piece of pavlova on the floor, plate of pavlova, right? Here's how the gifts might come in to service. Well, the gift of prophecy would say, I knew that was going to happen. Say, that's what happens when you're not careful. That's like something your mommy would say, isn't it? Um, and then the gift of service would say, well, help me, let me help you clean it up. And of course, the gift of teaching would say, well, the reason it fell was because it was too heavy on one side, and you should do it this way. Well, the gift of exhortation would say, next time, maybe you should just let somebody else carry it. And um, that's the one you'd really want to slap, wouldn't you? And then, <laughs> um, all in love, by the way. Um, and then the gift of giving would say, well, here, you can have my dessert. 
And the gift of mercy would say, don't feel too bad. It could have happened to anyone. And the gift of administration would say, Jim, would you go and get him up too? Can you help pick it up? And Mary, would you go and get him another dessert? You can see how everybody's different. And, and, and it comes, and when calamity comes, you see all the different gifts. And we've all been di gifted differently, so we act differently, and we serve differently. And this church, this church, I was praying this morning, this church is full of different gifts. Every gift that is needed to function in this area and fulfill that 2030 vision is in this room right now. Every single gift to make a biblical community function like a well-oiled engine is in this room. Okay, we're back to my list number four. Identify your gift. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So, and we're going to help you do this. We're going to help you identify your gift. We have a couple of ideas. Uh, we're going to run some lab nights um, and this through the week uh, over the period as well, which are going to be great. And we're going to be working at this in life groups. So to help you figure out what is that gift that actually just doesn't do you good, but actually um, profits all because uh, in that there's an implement of your gift in service, all right? Well, it says now the body is not made up of one part, but of many parts. And while it's important to identify your gifts, like number four, um, it's not enough. Gifts are there to be used. And I know Dave's going to talk a little bit more about this next week. If you don't use it, you lose it. Not right? If you don't use it, you lose it. And so the church is like a, a human body, all right? And uh, you can read about this in 1 Corinthians 12 from verses 12 right through to 30. Tells you about this, all the different things that are critical rules in functioning of the body. And you've been given gifts that play that key role. And uh, so the foot needs the hand and the eye needs the ear. And there's gifts that you can't see that actually I can live without a hand, believe it or not. I can live without a finger. I can live without an eye or an ear or that, but I can't live without a heart. Can't live without my pancreas. I can't live without my lungs, all right? The things that are most important in this church aren't always the person you see standing in the front. There are giftings in the body that you never see that make this function um, so powerfully. It's really, really important. So all the parts functioning well are really important. And then our last point is to intensify your love. And I want to take a moment or two and talk to you about that. Throughout the series, we will remember that any true Christian spiritual life is a life that's based on love, all right? And um, I love that verse in um, 1 Corinthians 13, 1, though I speak with the tongues of angels and have not love, I become just a noise just like sounding brass or clanging cymbals. And um, one of the lessons we can learn from the church at Corinth is this, that having spiritual gifts doesn't necessarily make you spiritual. Having spiritual gifts doesn't necessarily make you spiritual. I saw people operating gifts in my time that have brought abuse um, because the, the, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit are the things that bring character out in Christian life. 
And one of the reasons that you can say things into people's lives is because you've built character. You've built the, the fruit of the Spirit into your life. And as I say, if the two aren't functioning together, then they're wrong, all right? Um, and it's possible for the church to have all the gifts that are needed and for every believer to know what their gift is and miss the mark. And in the last verse of 1 Corinthians 12, 31, we're reminded that there's something far greater than even our divine um, real, realities and abilities. And this is it. This is what Paul said. He says, eagerly desire the greater gifts. Really good to have all of these gifts. But now, he said, let me show you a more excellent way. Interesting, isn't it, that the two chapters about gifts, 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14, are the sandwiches for what we have come known as the great chapter of love. And it would feel to me that whenever Paul started to challenge the church about their over-excess of the gifts in these two chapters, that he then writes about something that you can never over-access in. You can never love someone too much. I've never ever heard someone saying, well, I love that person too much. Because love is something that is pretty incredible. Now, can I say this as we come to close this out? We're not cessationists in Emmanuel. Cessationists believe that the gifts of the Spirit are not for today. We're not cessationists. We're Christians who believe in the overt evidence of the Holy Spirit. Um, was, we don't believe that that was only for the time of the apostles or for the development of the New Testament church and it ceased um, whenever the Bible became plain. That, they take that out. Dave said this a few weeks ago. That's taken out of 1 Corinthians 13 verse 10 that talks about whenever um, that which is perfect um, shall come, these gifts shall be done away with. Now, if, it, if, you, if you go down that line, there's two angles you can go with that. One of the angles is that, um, and where a cessationist belief comes from, is that whenever the Bible, the full canon of Scripture, was fully um, completed, then the gifts were done away with. The problem you have with that, then, you're going to have to do away with knowledge as well, and you're going to have to do away with prophecy. So it says prophecy will cease, knowledge will cease. Now, prophecy hasn't ceased because prophecy in that context, in that verse, is foretelling. So basically what it is, it's foretelling the Word of God. And that has not ceased. If that ceased, we're doomed. <laughs> the foretelling of the Word of God. Knowledge is your understanding of the Scripture. Knowledge is what I'm trying to do this morning, to teach and expound the Scripture. So that hasn't, those haven't been done away with. All right? So the other angle is the only logical angle you can go down with and that's the full glorification of the saints in heaven. That's when Jesus returns. That's when he that is perfect shall come. And, um, and so that's why we say we're not cessationists. We believe that the Holy Spirit itself has been evidence for the last 20 centuries in the church. Um, and that evidence alone speaks powerfully against cessationism. And, um, and at the same time, we acknowledge this morning there's been a lot of stupidity. There's been a lot of false teaching and there's been a lot of nonsense that has happened around um, the teachings of the Holy Spirit. But I said this a few months ago 
as we sat into the outset of this teaching, we want to introduce you to our friend, the Holy Spirit. Jesus is not just the friend of sinners. The Holy Spirit's the friend of the church. He's the friend of the church. And he's the friend of the believer. And I don't know how I'd live my life without him. I don't know how I'd live my life without Jesus. I don't know how I'd live my life without the Father. But I don't know how I'd live my life without the Holy Spirit. He's our friend. And uh, he shows us a much better way. Let me read it to you. If I speak human, angelic, with angelic tongues, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains, but do not have love, I have nothing. And if I give away all my possessions, and if I give over my body in order to boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It's not boastful. It's not arrogant. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not irritable. It does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It hears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Love that. As for prophecy, it will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, our Savior, the Lord Jesus, I've added that a little bit, the partial will come to an end. Not need the picture when we've got him. We not need the picture. We not need the emblems. We not need the bread and the wine. We not need those things. We not need the photograph to remind us of the one we love. We'll have the person. He'd be home. We'll be there. We'll be with him. The perfect will come. Just when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put aside childish things. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. But then face to face. Now I know in part. But then I will know fully, even as I am fully known. Now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these and the reason we can love is because he first loved us. Let's worship. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.